The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. From the stories of the past and the fiction writers of the future, the Mutual Audio Network presents Mutual Book Club. The Devil's Pinata, a book written and read by John Bell. Our last episode ended up with Buck getting out of a very deep and stinky well, which kind of gives you an idea of the level of comedy that Mr. Bell strives for, or stoops to. Let's pick up the, quote, action, unquote, now. Chapter, um, 25? Are you still reading this? Seriously? Buck was led unceremoniously into the warehouse. No ceremony, he groused. Not even a small band. Laszlo glared at Buck and sniffed. Nobody that smells as bad as you gets a ceremony. Badly, corrected Buck. What? said Laszlo. I smell badly, not bad. Adverb. Are you sure? Laszlo questioned. After all, it's modifying your smell, which is a noun, not the act of smelling, which would be a verb. Are you nuts? If I say I smell, where is the verb in that sentence? That's an entirely different usage, shouted Laszlo. He turned to a group of minions standing nearby. Does anybody here think that the word smell as I have used it is a verb? Anybody? The minions glanced nervously at one another. One man slowly raised his hand. Laszlo whipped out his pistol and shot him. The other minions all shook their heads and repeated, No, oh, sir, no, no, uh-uh, not nine, yet, no, uh, siree. Laszlo holstered his pistol. Case closed. Now go hose him down. The remaining minions seized Buck and dragged him into the shower room. They threw him into a stall, handed him a bar of life, boy, then picked up a high-pressure fire hose and blasted him with water. Moments later, they turned off the hose and dragged our drenched hero into another small room where they handed him a towel. Then they turned on an industrial heating fan and blasted him with hot air. The fan was turned off and Buck was placed in a chair. One of the minions, Francois, gave Buck a quick hairstyling. He gave Buck a mirror so he could check out the cut. Buck nodded and slipped Francois five bucks. The minions then grabbed Buck and hustled him back into the warehouse. The band played the Liberty Bell March, and balloons fell from the ceiling. A child said, Hooray! and waved a small flag. Enough! shouted Laszlo. The celebrants all filed out, all except for the little kid, who marched up to Laszlo and said, Where's my dough? Laszlo reached into his pocket and pulled out a check. He handed it to the kid. The kid checked the check, then turned to leave. As he was departing, he said in passing to Buck, Nice hairdo! Laszlo proclaimed, The time has come, my faithful followers, to begin what will be the end of America, and eventually the end of the world as we know it. Happy Cinco de Mayo! All the minions echoed, Happy Cinco de Mayo! What's the big deal with Cinco de Mayo? asked Buck. Why, it's the only day we could get away with this, replied Laszlo, as a giant wall moved aside, revealing what was in the main portion of the warehouse. Buck couldn't believe his eyes.
Chapter 26. Be glad you stuck around. Things get exciting now. There in the warehouse, standing as big as a three-story house, was a piñata, a gigantic, colorful, cardboard and crepe paper piñata shaped like a donkey. Buck was speechless. At least he thought he was. He checked his pockets and discovered that he did indeed have a speech. It was the speech he made in his seventh-grade civics class entitled, Waterboarding and You. He unfolded it carefully, since it was still very damp from the hosing he endured earlier. When in the course of commie pingo extremist nut jobs, it becomes necessary to obtain certain intelligence. Laszlo grabbed the speech, wadded it up, and threw it on the ground. Hey, said Buck, I got a B minus on that. Follow me, everybody, said Laszlo. Hey, Laz, old buddy, said Buck as the group walked to the door. Why did you make such a huge piñata? There's no way in heck you can lift something that big, not to mention the stick you'd need to whack it with. The group stepped out of the warehouse into the morning sun. There, engines revving, was the huge blimp that had arrived the night before. Beside it was a 100-foot-long stick. Don't I? said Laszlo with a smirk. Everybody get on board! The minions forced Buck to get inside the cozy gondola of the blimp. Buck was surprised to see Marcia sitting in the pilot's seat. Actually, to be accurate, she was sitting in the pilot's lap. Oh, she said as she jumped up, you're early. <clears throat> Welcome aboard Sinobovich 1, the largest and most powerful blimp in the world. Please, take your seats. The tight and slightly disheveled stewardess uniform looked very cute on her. The group moved down the aisle between the seats. A minion told Buck, This is your seat. Buck checked his ticket. No, I'm 6C, that's 6A. I think I'm on the other side. He turned and found 6C. It was occupied by a burly man in a black beret. I think you're in my seat, said Buck. I don't think so said the burly man, as he pulled a large pistol out and aimed it at Buck's midsection. Buck showed him his ticket. C, 6C, and look here. He indicated the numbers above the seats. 6C. The man looked up. They make it so hard to tell which seat is which, complained the man as he holstered his gun. He looked at his own ticket. Blast, I'm 5C. Excuse me. The man wrestled his way out of the small seat and moved up one row. A little old lady on the seat behind Buck said, Excuse me, young man, but I think you're still wrong. I'm 8C and I'm right behind you. The numbers you're looking at are for the row ahead of you, not the row you're looking at. The people boarding behind Buck began to get restless. Move it, they grumbled. Okay, hold it. Let's just figure this out, said Buck. I think you're wrong, ma'am. I think you'll need to move back one row. I don't think so, said the pixieish old lady as she aimed a large 44 Magnum revolver at Buck's head. Then again, there's no need for you to move. I'll just sit here. Buck eased himself uncomfortably into the small seat. Next to him was a lady with a baby. Why do I always get next to the screaming babies, Buck muttered. He turned to the baby and said, You'd better behave on this trip, kiddo. The baby reached into his diaper and pulled out a Webley Vickers 5080 and trained the laser sight between Buck's eyes. Wah! It said. Just my luck, said Buck. Finally, everybody was seated. Marcia stood up in front of the passengers and began her presentation. 
Today's flight will take us about 500 feet in altitude. Should you get too much oxygen, masks will fall from above. These masks are connected directly to the blimp interior, so you'll be breathing pure helium. Not only will this keep you from hyperventilating, but you'll also provide much entertainment with your high squeaky voice. She picked up a yellow, uninflated life vest. There are life vests under your seat. We will not be traveling over water, but if we lose altitude quickly, you can inflate the vests by pulling on these rings, sit on them, and hope they provide some cushioning for your impact with the ground. She held up a colorful card. In the pockets in front of you, you'll find a card explaining where the exits are, which is truly moot because we've locked them all. We hope you survive a pleasant flight. We know you have no choices when it comes to flying with Sonobovich, and we appreciate your flying with us. Please fasten your seatbelts. Marcia swished down the aisle, inspecting everybody's lap. A few men received appreciative winks. When she came to Buck, she said, Make sure that belt is nice and tight. She tugged the belt with a massive jerk. Buck realized that in this case, he was the massive jerk for believing that Marcia was one of the good guys. He grinned at her and quipped, <coughs> which was all he could manage to say with the belt that tight. The engines revved up and the blimp began to rise in the air. Ooh, ah, went the passengers. Buck couldn't help but join them. The blimp lazily circled the warehouse, gaining altitude bit by bit. Then the sound of the engines changed, and Buck noticed they were hovering above the warehouse. Below, he could see the roof of the warehouse opening, revealing the giant piñata and stick inside. Behind him, the sound of an electric motor and gears turning caught his attention. Four metal cables were lowered from the corners of the gondola. Below, several workers attached the four cables to the piñata. When finished, they waved to the pilot. The engines gunned and the blimp gained altitude, lifting the piñata into the air. Laszlo, seated across from Buck, said, I suppose you'd like to know what the doomsday plan is and how you're going to die. Buck gave him a half smirk and said, You're half right. Laszlo gave him back the half smirk as he had plenty. Excellent. Here's the plan. Chapter 27. Sort of. As a reader, and a very determined one if you've stuck with the book this far, you are about to enter the explanation chapter, where the bad guy explains his plan with lots of technical terms. To make sure you don't get left behind by all this techno-speak, like I do in Tom Clancy books, I hereby present this glossary of terms used in the next segment to enhance your understanding. You're welcome. Glossary of terms, in no particular order, as I have more important things to do than alphabetize glossary terms. Blimp, a huge flying gas bag. At this point, you are welcome to make up your own joke about politicians on airplanes. Steering thingy, the device used to steer a blimp, see blimp. I don't have the time or patience to research exactly how a blimp is steered, and I'm sure you don't really care, so this is the term for whatever it is they use to steer them. I expect to hear from the Goodyear people any minute. Altitude. How high off the ground you currently are. Altitudinally challenged. The act of falling out of a blimp. See blimp. Momentum. 
the tendency of things that are moving to continue moving, not to be confused with how Larry and Curly felt about their third member's insults. Give you a second to think about that one. Sudden halt. Something a blimp, see blimp, cannot achieve, see momentum, unless it encounters a tall building or a mountain. Ballast. One. The stuff a blimp, see blimp, carries to make it heavier while it's carrying it and lighter when it ceases to carry it. Two. The sound a big bomb makes. Watch it up there, you idiot. An exclamation made by a person on the ground when he or she gets hit by falling ballast. See ballast. Breaks. Something a blimp, see blimp, can't even think about having. See momentum. And why it depends often on tall buildings, mountains, or anchors. See anchor. Anchor. A weight attached to a long rope that blimps, see blimp, can drop to defeat forward momentum. See momentum. This anchor can be a heavy hunk of metal or a heavy hunk of stowaway. You crushed my car, you idiot! An exclamation made by a former driver and current pedestrian when his or her car gets hit by a falling anchor. See anchor. Choke, a lever that, when pulled, allows an internal combustion engine to have a richer mixture of gas to air, thereby helping it start up when it's cold. See Nyquil. Not to be confused with a funny story told by Desi Arnaz. See lots of old TV. Gondola, the part of a blimp. See blimp that is suspended under the large gas bag. See stupid political joke, wherein the pilot and passengers ride. Pilot, one, the guy who manipulates the steery thingy, see steery thingy, in a blimp, see blimp, to make the blimp, see blimp again until you understand it completely, go, see momentum, and stop, see sudden halt, brakes, anchor, you crushed my car, you idiot. Two, a filmed first episode of a potential TV series used to convince potential buyers that it's not just another piece of crap. Anybody wishing to make a pilot. See pilot definition two, based on this book. See blockbuster hit. Feel free to contact John Bell. See fawning hack. Chapter twenty-eight. Laszlo swept his arm around, gesturing at the view out the windows and smacking several passengers in the forehead. Isn't this a beautiful country, Mister Shot? The mountains, majesty, the amber waves of green. Grain corrected Buck, and the fruited plain. Laszlo continued. Marcia appeared behind Laszlo with a beverage. Here's your fruited plain, Buck. Would you like one too? Make mine a fruited fancy, answered Buck, and get on with your plan, Laszlo. Buck chuckled to himself at his subtle insult, having spelled the low in Laszlo as L O W instead of L O. Let me show you something, Mister Shot," said Laz Low. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a small, clear plastic container. What do you see? Buck looked at the small, clear plastic container. Looks like a small, clear plastic container to me," he said. And inside the container, Buck squinted and looked past the clear plastic. Looks like some worms. Very good, but these are no ordinary worms. These. Are robot worms, robot worms. If you look closely, you'll see that each worm's head is actually a rotating drill bit. 
It was true. Each of the dozen or so two-inch-long worms in the container was tipped with a slowly rotating drill bit. Buck said, I bought a drill one time at the store, and when I got home, I accidentally drilled a hole right here. He pointed to his forehead. It was my mom's idea. She said I needed a drill like I need a hole in my head. Laszlo stared at Buck for a few moments. Why did you tell me that awful story? asked Laszlo. It's part of a comedy routine, explained Buck. That's my drill bit. Everybody in the blimp stared at Buck for a few moments. Hey, said Buck, they can't all be gems. Laszlo continued, The bits are turning slowly right now, but when I fire up the doomsday device with the switch of doom that you so thoughtfully provided for me, then the drills will spin faster and faster. Buck smiled. So you got a dozen drilling robot worms, so what? Oh, not a dozen, Mr. Shot. Quite a few more. Buck's brain worked like a fine-tuned watch, one that had been rolled over by a badly-tuned piano. He looked out the window at the huge piñata swinging below the gondola. The piñata, he said slowly. Laszlo chuckled. Yes, the piñata! Do I get a whack at it? I could use some candy right about now. No, Mr. Shot, you do not get a whack at it, and it is not filled with candy. Oh, said Buck. He looked again at the giant piñata. Toys? Oh, for heaven's sake, exclaimed Laszlo. Worms! Worms get to whack the piñata? Worms are in the piñata! How can they whack it from the inside? The worms are not going to whack the piñata. They are going to fall out of the piñata! How can they fall out if the piñata doesn't get whacked? A helicopter carrying a big stick will whack the piñata, understand? Yes. No. How do the worms fly the helicopter? A tear came to Laszlo's eye. He spoke slowly and evenly. The piñata contains five million robot worms. We are headed towards the point that is the geographic center of the United States. It is Cinco de Mayo, so nobody will be suspicious of a giant piñata flying overhead. A helicopter will fly up and whack the piñata, breaking it. The worms will fall to the ground and start digging into the earth. From here, they will fan out and dig holes throughout the United States. The ground under your feet will be like Swiss cheese. I like Swiss cheese, admitted Buck. Shut up. Cities will collapse. Agriculture will fail. The United States and eventually the entire world will be destroyed. Outside the window, a helicopter with a hundred-foot-long stick attached to its landing rails was approaching. Buck stood up, then realized his seatbelt was still buckled, then sat down and unbuckled his seatbelt and stood up. You mean, he said... The world will be destroyed by... Yes! exclaimed Laszlo. Global warming! Wait, said Buck. What about you? What about Babenstan? Won't it be destroyed as well? That's the beauty of the plan, said Laszlo. Babenstan is completely rock. The worms can't drill through rock. We will survive. What about food? asked Buck. Marcia stepped forward. Sorry, no food service on this flight. 
she tossed a small bag of peanuts at him that he snatched out of the air. The helicopter positioned its big stick to whack the piñata. When the piñata is broken and the worms spill out, we shall take the switch of doom to the back compartment, connect it to the doomsday device, and start the worms drilling! You're assuming the piñata will get broken, said Buck. And why shouldn't it? asked Laszlo. Buck pitched the bag of peanuts with unerring accuracy to the back of the pilot's head. The pilot jerked forward, pushing, pulling, twisting, lifting, spinning, the steery thingy. The blimp rose nose first suddenly, and the large stick missed the piñata. Laszlo was knocked to the floor by the sudden tilt of the gondola. When he regained his balance and stood up, Buck was gone. Wowee, wasn't that exciting? Wasn't that ex- You can kill the sound effects now. Thank you. Wasn't that exciting? And I need the music here, please. Boy, you can't get good help these days. I have good news for you. There's only one more segment left. Wait, 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 wait. What? Two more? I think I'll go get a drink. You're listening to The Devil's Piñata, written in... Voiced by John Bell, copyright 2020 by John Bell Creative, LLC. Is the bar open? The Mutual Book Club, available on any of the Mutual Audio Days, the Mutual Fiction Podcast feed, and the Mutual Audio Network feed. Thanks to the reader for today's performance, and please look for more classic tales and future writers next time at the Mutual Book Club. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.